As it turned out, Carla and I had been held captive in the middle of what is called Big Cypress Swamp, a vast expanse of estuaries, dry and wet prairies, and mangrove forests that make up thousands of miles of land just west of the Big Cypress National Preserve in South Florida, along the western border of the Everglades National Park. We didn't find this out until later, much later, after about six hours of walking that ended with us clamoring over an abutment on the side of I-75, or Alligator Alley, as the locals call it. By that time, neither of us wanted to talk to anyone, never mind each other. We'd tooled around in an airboat more times than any individual requires in a lifetime, clamored through woods, filled with all manner of bugs, mud, and plant life that wasn't exactly human-friendly. Narrowly escaped death by a gator and bear, saw to the disposal of two men, and had to take more bathroom breaks in the middle of the woods than a person should have to do in the immediate vicinity of a co-worker. While I can personally attest to the fact that evacuating on an incline when you've got the knees of a septuagenarian isn't an ideal situation, Carla can now testify to the fact that it's extremely important to choose your wiping material wisely. Hour 4 Highlights Woman, what are you doing in there? Building a latrine? Carla had wandered off the path we'd been following for an hour with a mumbled remark about needing to take care of something and that I shouldn't move from where I was standing. I watched her head move back and forth behind a thicket of shoulder-high bushes and it was clear she wasn't sure how to tackle this newest challenge. The woman had ushered two men to their deaths, but apparently figuring out how to use the bathroom outside the context of her normal daily routine was giving her trouble. Settle in, Carla. Enjoy the view. It's not every day you get to shit in the woods. I can't do this if you're talking. Her head had disappeared, and I could picture her squatting while trying to keep her pants out of the way. Sadly, this was the most fun I'd had in a long while. It took me a while to find a stick dry enough to dig the hole. Why are you digging a hole? I knew why she was digging a hole, but I was being an asshole. That's what happens when you're tired, punchy, and know there's a dainty little someone taking a shit 20 feet away. I'm not digging now, Morno. I can't do this standing up. My body won't comply. <laughs> well, if the freestyle squat isn't working for you, lean against a tree and try it that way. Maybe the back support will help. Or, if you can find a downed log over there, you could probably use it as a seat and do your business over the back. But check it for ticks first. And watch out for snakes behind you. Her head popped up over the bushes and she screamed. Please shut up. I hope you picked your leaf beforehand, because rummaging around in a squatting position post-relief is hell on the thigh muscles. Ugh. The groan that emanated from behind the bushes told me she hadn't planned that far ahead. I continued at what I knew was my own peril. If you can't find a leaf, I've heard of campers using flat rocks or sticks 
see anything like that over there? Just conjure up a mental image of what needs to be done and find the nearest appropriate tool to do so. A person's first shit in the woods is a rite of passage, Carla. At some point in our lives, everyone has to embrace their inner caveman and drop a deuce of inconvenience. Without the benefit of reading material, pretty smelling candles, or a can of Glade air freshener. When she clambered out of her makeshift bathroom a few minutes later, she had her hands out in front of her and a grimace on her face. I looked down at a puddle of mud on the path near my feet and made a grand sweeping gesture. Your sink, milady. She glared at me before dunking both hands into the muddy water and scrubbing furiously. Two hours and three less than constructive arguments later, we were standing on the side of I-75, staring at one another with looks that suggested we'd spent a little time wondering if we could effectively kill the other and hide the body. We both owed a debt of gratitude to the off-duty ranger headed home after a long day's work who pulled over, took in our less-than-impressive state of attire, patiently listened to our story, albeit an account that left out a few details, and drove us to the Big Cypress Oasis Visitor Information Center, which was closed. We used his phone to call Arecchio, who contacted local authorities after listening to an abridged retelling of the story. Lorenzo's phone had proven useless, with very little battery left when we turned it on, and failed to get any outgoing calls through for more than a few seconds before dropping the call. Arecchio made sure I watched one of the officers bag and label it so it could be sent to him directly. Once the local police began to assemble, the FBI was contacted. I'd handed over the phone as well as Jim Bob's rifle, and we'd been debriefed. The last bit left was for us to point them in the direction of Lorenzo's hideout and the alligator shack. Carla and I did our best, but after six hours of walking, I'm not sure we were much help. Also, due to an improper choice of wiping material, Carla kept getting distracted by an itch that dare not speak its name, which further proved to distract me every time she surreptitiously tried to scratch with a wiggle while hiking up her pants. Listen, fellas, I told them while circling the wagons around the last dregs of my patience. We're tired. I've got mosquito bites on top of mosquito bites. I'd like a drink and a shower in that exact order. My friend and I were almost eaten by a gator and a bear and... What bear? You didn't tell us about no bear. One of the livelier officers said, licking the tip of his pencil in preparation for more note-taking. Actually, he might have been a ranger or something. None of them were dressed in uniform, and I hadn't been paying attention when introductions were made because I didn't care one way or the other. That's because it wasn't relevant to the situation at hand. The bear wasn't holding us at gunpoint. Unfortunately, Carla had to shoot him. He was green-tagged, if that helps. But he's gone to bear heaven now. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Carla rubbed her ass against the car behind her. He did seem nice enough, till he started charging at Morneau. Officer Lively nodded gravely, jotting down a note. You see any snakes? I nodded. Had a close encounter with a baby Condi. At least that's what Jim Bob said it was. Jim Bob? The larger of our two questioners rubbed the stubble on his jaw. He tended to be less lively 
than the smaller fellow. That wasn't his name, I don't think. Looked like a Jim Bob, though. I leaned against the building and raked my back across the brick, tending to my own itch. I could feel the mosquito bites rising into hives as we spoke. What's a Jim Bob look like? Officer Les Lively's manner suggested a hint of irritation. I shrugged. Rednecky. Carla stifled a chuckle. So, an anaconda, huh? See any bobcats or deer? Officer Lively looked hopeful. Nope, unless you count the two dead bucks that were in the shack when we got there, but they were a pile of parts by that time. Looked like cow parts in there, too. You might find a little of that pile left because after the altercation that took place inside between Carla and me and the two assailants, I'm guessing the gator had more fun with the moving feast. What about panthers? See any of those? Officer Lively, apparently bent on getting a wildlife blow by blow, seemed less interested in the human casualties. I didn't get a chance to answer. Officer Less Lively scowled. If you're through with the update vis-a-vis -vis the local fauna, I think we'll get these two set up in a motel in town, unless you need a scat sample from each for tracking. They did say they both had to relieve themselves. The two men glared at each other. Once Officer Lively ambled away, Officer Less Lively crossed his arms over his chest. Real quick, let's go over this again, just so I'm clear. We'll have less interruptions now, I'm guessing. He shot a look over his shoulder at the retreating officer and then turned back to faces. So, you were taken in Detroit, drugged on the plane en route, woke up as you were being loaded into this Jim Bob's truck, taken by boat to another location, walked through the woods to this shack, you say as a satellite dish sitting next to it, where you found Mr. Rios. There was that brief altercation you mentioned, and then the two men took you back to the boat for another ride to the second shack, which contained an alligator. Once inside, the two of you managed to get the upper hand. Despite this rednecky Jim Bob having a shotgun, you escaped and have no idea what happened to the men after that. I got a pretty good idea based on all the hollering, officer. But yeah, that sounds pretty damn good. Hey, you ever thought about writing cover synopsis for books? That was a tidy summation. I wasn't crazy about Les Lively's accusatory tone. Sure, we'd left a few things out and fibbed about a few details, but the end result was the same. I just had to rearrange the order a bit so we didn't let them in on the fact that instead of trying to get the hell out of there after Jim Bob succumbed to his fate, we'd made a point of finding Rios and, rather than dragging him to justice, chose to meet out our own. This Arecchio says the FBI and Detroit and Orlando PDs are all working this clusterfuck. So it doesn't make no never mind to me. But off the record, detective, I'm not sure I like all the smells coming from this one. Before I could come up with an appropriate response, Carla crossed her arms over her chest and proceeded to imitate the officer's wide-legged stance. Those smells to which you referred are probably our B.O. and bad breath, officer. We haven't showered in a while, and we just hiked like a bazillion miles in this godforsaken, mosquito-infested mud bog you call home. Needless to say, Jim Bob 
did not provide us with toothpaste or one of those little pillow mints during our stay in the reptilian Holiday Inn. Then she leaned in and took a deep sniff of the man in front of us, wrinkling her nose. What's your excuse? Ah, Carla. She's a peach of a gal. And normally in this situation, I'd have been chuckling at her scrappy lack of compunction with the backwoods official. But after her implied observation regarding his hygiene, Officer Less Lively seemed less than interested in helping us secure a room for the night. That would prove to be a challenge, given neither of us had a dollar to our names or any identification. Well, Buttercup, I scanned the parking lot. It appears you've alienated our only possible assistance with regard to lodgings for the night. You have any bright ideas about where we go from here? Carla watched Officer Lively as he leaned into the open trunk of his vehicle and pulled out a tire iron. I'll butter up Ranger Rick. You call Muggs and see if he can wire us some money. I put my hands out, palms up. Should I make that call on my invisible detective phone? Or send up smoke signals? Based on her reaction, Carla had sailed past being in the mood for my shit a few ass itches ago. She spun around, grabbed my collar, and yanked me down to face her, our noses almost touching. Listen to me, detective, because I'm just going to say this once. I'm tired. I stink. My feet hurt. I am hungry, and my ass itches. I haven't had chocolate in three days, and you are skating on very fucking thin ice, mister. Now get your ass over there and offer that man some help. Changing the tire, it looks like he's about to change. And I'll find us a phone, get us somewhere that has a shower and some beds, and somehow, even if I've got to blow a goddamn liquor store clerk for a couple bottles of scotch, I'll get you something to drink. Because we both know that is your main concern right now. Have I made myself perfectly fucking clear? Crystal! I planted a kiss on the tip of her nose. Mainly because I knew it would piss her off even more. She shoved me away and slid the back of her hand roughly across her nose like a kid wiping off the sloppy kiss of an unseemly relative. You're not as charming as you'd like to think, Morneau. She was already walking toward Officer Lively, so I spoke to her back as I followed. I'm charming enough to get you to offer your oral services in order to make me more comfortable. I'd say that's all the charm any man needs. Carla spun around and offered me a raised eyebrow. Only because you getting liquored up means that you'll pass out at some point, and there will be a brief but extremely desirable period of time where I won't have to listen to your goddamn voice. While I helped Officer Lively with the tire, Carla borrowed his phone, gave Muggs a quick rundown of recent events, pausing briefly to ask our friendly officer where the nearest Western Union might be located, then had our friendly bartender arrange to wire us enough cash to get a room and some food before giving him instructions to get a hold of Erecchio so he could make arrangements to get us back home. By the time she was finished and clicked the cell phone off, I was tightening the last lug nut. Hey, Carla. 